What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and I am joined by stand-up comedian, actor, writer, He's been really everywhere. Real Housewives of New York, which is fire. PBS Stories from the Stage. CISO's New York Funniest. George Takai Presents, who I love, obviously, from the old Stern days. And he was the winner of Amazon's Comics Watching Comics Season 8. Jean Marco. What's up? How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm touring right now. I guess touring is what you call it. I'm in LA. Luckily, my mom lives here. So I am kind of recovering, getting a lot of meals, meals made for me. And uh, it's nice. And you get to save, save money on the hotel. Oh, yeah. A lot of money. But the lifts and the Ubers, though, they make up for it pretty fast. How's the traffic out there? Traffic's been okay, but it's just like in New York, if I'm doing, I could do five spots, maybe New York, a good night. In LA, if you try to do three, you are traveling. You are, you're making a 50, 50 minute trips between the two spots. And that's tough. It's a lot. How long have you been doing stand-up for? I've been doing it about seven years, I'd say. I was an actor before that, so I had been on stage and shit, but just had to learn how to write jokes. What's easier, acting or stand-up? I mean, I never mastered acting. People ask me, they're like, how's the acting career going? And I'm like, oh, how many times did you see Meryl Streep headline in Lowell, Arkansas for an entire (laughs) weekend? I think acting's harder only because that. I don't think that's where my talents lie. Right. Actors in Meryl Streep would always be like, comedy's harder than drama. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Do you want to see Schindler's List with Jerry Seinfeld? I don't think so. They are different skills. Hey, but listen, you know, it's like, I feel like Meryl Streep could do a set. I think so. Tom Hanks, he did a, a movie, I think it was called Punchline. And he would, he used to like do sets around the city just to get ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, method acting. Sure, sure. Method acting. So how long like into acting did you go until you were like, I'm going to like pretty much spend more of my time, if not all of it really now doing stand up? It was a it was a long journey. I basically I took a stand up class. I went to college for musical theater and I took a stand up class one summer. I felt like I was good at it. And I was one of these insufferable. I would say I'm an actor, but I also do stand up comedy. And by that, I meant I did twice a year in front of a sold out room where I brought everyone. So I thought it was just the guy. Yeah. And the acting was just brutal, man. I I moved to New York, a lot of dreams, paying money hand over fist to meet casting directors and agents. And you feel like you're making movement, but you're not really. And you don't really realize that until you're five years in and you go, God, nothing is happening. And then I wrote a play for myself that was like autobiographical and it was a comedy and I talked to the audience a lot. And I had a friend, thank God, who was like, you should focus on this. And I, I just noticed whenever people complimented me, it never was the scenes, never about the scenes. It was only when I was talking to them. So 
I just decided to lean into it. It's, it's a different life. And it meant giving up my nights pretty much forever. My nights, if I'm trying to, at the behest of my girlfriend, I try to take one night off a week, but that's new. Right. And other than that, though, it's every night. It's Fridays and Saturdays. People will always, oh, come to this. It's, you know, but it's, it's my graduation. It's my wedding. It's my, blah. but I'm like Friday and Saturday, those everyone wants to do shit that day. And that's when I have to work. That's when people are going to be like, you know, that's when everybody's outside now. Thank God. Yeah. And so I kind of, I found a club, a really rough, rough club in New York. And I did uh, the check spot, which is you not paid. And the check spot is when they drop the checks on all the audience members. So it's notoriously terrible because people are looking down at the number. They look up at you. They're like, not worth it. They realize they're getting ripped off. I have to be on stage. I'm watching the club get paid while I'm not. Yeah, yeah. No piece of the door or anything. No, no, God, no, no. And I basically was able to do almost every check spot at this club for probably a year, which at the time stand-up was booming. And I, I would do four shows on the weekdays, six to eight on the weekends. And I just got addicted to that. I think I'm very, I like a lot of feedback. Even when I'm writing, I, I, I can be very insufferable with friends where I'm like, hey, is this funny? Is that good? Is this good? Can you tell me what you think of this? And with stand-up, I get to do that actively on stage every time I perform. So I think like emotionally, it also fit in with what I need artistically. How often like do you go up now though? Is it like six, five, six days a week? Oh yeah, yeah. As much as I, I can in New York. In New York, like I really try to have three spots a night when I'm back in New York. Now I've loosened up a little bit now that I'm on the road. Sometimes I'll have a weekend where I'll do two one-hour shows on a Friday, two on a Saturday. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, I can take Sunday off or I can just do one. Yeah, you'll do like a 7 and a 9.30 or something. Yeah, yeah. Get that green room time in, baby. Yeah, but it's not sustainable. Some comics, we're kind of notorious. We love the, the grind culture. Comics really love to lean into it. But sometimes it's like, well, are you working on anything specific? Are you just doing the same jokes you did last time to make sure they still work? And I think COVID forced me and many comedians to go like, we, they forced us to take a four-month break, which is insane. The idea of taking two days off would have sent, sent shivers down my spine. And then COVID forced us to take four months off. I saw comics doing roofs. Oh, I was doing roofs. I was doing yeah. parking lots, drive-ins, anywhere, anywhere. And Zoom. I did so many Zoom shows. Where did you go to college? University of Miami. Ooh. Yeah. It was a mistake, for sure. Miami's never a mistake, baby. Well, for someone like me, <laughs> I, here, here's my, my statistics. I went to one football game. I went to the beach three times and Disney World once. You're one of those guys. I was a loser. Now, my sister went to University of Miami, my youngest sister. She had fun. Girls have so much more fun in sunny places, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. She sent me a video like it was like Snoop Dogg handing her a joint at a concert. And I was like, what did I do with my life? I didn't come close to this. You just didn't like the college life? Where was your family settled before that? My family, they were all uh, Maryland, Potomac, Maryland, near Bethesda, near D.C. So... It wasn't them. It was just that I'm like, I'm just a nerdy indoor boy. I can force myself to go out. 
But I don't even think I was smoking pot in college, which like, I wish I had at least been doing that. You're a late bloomer now? I'm a late bloomer, for sure. For sure. Still, still figuring out. Still, my girlfriend's still trying to get me to do shrooms. And I'm very neurotic and nervous. We'll get back to the college, but I'll tell you this. I do feel as if though, I don't want to scare anybody that does drugs. I do feel like drugs kind of rewired my brain. But like, I think there's something, there's only like, not so much that the brain can take, but if you introduce it to shit, it's going to rewire the way it is. That's why, like, when you see people who, like, have done drugs, like, a good amount, they're a little bit different. You know? It's because they're doing drugs. Sure. I mean, I, I have no science to base that on. I'm not a fucking doctor. But all I know is, is, like, I used to not have anxiety, really, and panic attacks until, like, after I did cocaine and shit. Really? Yeah, dude. Fucking my first panic attack ever was from Schneef. I was like, yo, like, what's up? Like, we're doing this. This is awesome. It's just another great Coke night. Like, this is awesome. Let's, like, you know, not eat for three days and fall asleep at 7 a.m. Like, this is great. I'm standing there and I do a line. I come off of the fucking... I had this little mirror jewelry box that we used to use. So, like, I come off of that and then I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, I'm chilling. And then I was like, I'm going to fucking die, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. I just felt my heart just going like, <clears throat> and then it, then it went, I said, oh my God, dude. Like, this is it. I'm fucking, I just like hot dose myself. Like, I'm going to fucking die, dude. I'm looking at my boy and I'm like, yo, bro, mad coked out. I'm just like, yo, I'm going to die. And then he was like, yo, what are you talking about? Like, he's all sneaked up, dude. I'm just like, yo, bro, like, you have to get me to a hospital right now. Something is wrong, dude. So I'm downstairs. I'm hyperventilating. I almost pass out at this time. You know, I don't know that I'm hyperventilating, but I think I'm just going to fucking pass out because I'm just like, (laughs) and then, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, oh shit, like I'm lightheaded and shit. I get to the hospital and I walk in there and I'm like, (laughs) and they're just like, yeah, like, are you having a heart attack? I was like, I think so. So like, you know, they grab me, they fucking throw me in the back. They rip my shirt off and shit. Cause like, I'm not like really being responsive. I'm like all fucked up. And they were just like, oh, yeah. And like, they put like the EKG on me. And they're like, dude, like your heart's fine. I can't believe you made it all the way. Oh, dude, it was terrible. Because, you know, when you're having what you think is a heart attack and it's like, oh, this is my first heart attack. I've never had it before. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, like this is what it is. And like, now it's time to die. And this is it. Like I fucked up. I took like fentanyl or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's so, you know, University of Miami, they offer cocaine as a minor. Oh, but yeah, I didn't yeah. do it in college. It wasn't until I was I was like, some woman asked me over. She was like, I have some cocaine. I was like, let's go for it. Yeah, why not? And it's same thing. First of all, I did the cocaine and then I couldn't I couldn't perform. Oh no, you can't you can't get a boner on that savior guy. Which is wild. Because in the movies, I, I remember seeing like, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. It seemed like, oh, it's uh, it's it's part of it. But I remember my heart started beating too. And I Googled, <laughs> has anyone ever died of cocaine? And it's like, lots, thousands and millions. It's like, LOL. It's like, you serious? You serious right now with that question? I absolutely would be like, you know how the president has someone eat the food first to make sure it's not poisoned? Like that's, I don't know how people with these fe- with fentanyl cases, it's horrifying. I just don't understand why they're cutting it with fentanyl. Like, isn't there something else you guys can put in there? Drug dealers? How much of like your family is like in your, I hate to say bit. A lot. A lot. I just feel like there's just like so many comedian words. It's like, can we come up with like some other ones? 
yeah i mean like material or yeah, yeah, how, how much yeah it's you... like in your material in your bit i'm just like oh dude like come on in your art sir yeah my family's pretty heavily featured do they hate it no luckily luckily no but i don't know if that's like i don't know if they don't hate it or they don't care in a way that's kind of sad <laughs> in its own right i start a chunk these days i talk about my dad he had open heart surgery this year and it was not successful he's still alive and like stuff like that <laughs> like i'm lucky that they don't get really worked up about that kind of stuff i know people with parents who would not like that who would not want them to even talk about their dad's right heart surgery or my my dad he's got a new girlfriend and we have a lot in common like being born in 1988 it's weird he likes dating younger i like dating older so when we go on a double date it looks like the family dinner i never had there's stuff like right right even if they did care i am of we have a tough enough relationship that i'd say well too bad right you did this stuff and now i make jokes about it yeah I think my style is a little absurdist enough that they could, some of it's not true, some of it's exaggerated, but it is, it is based in truth. Right. And I've always been surprised that the jokes that I was most worried about don't seem to hurt them. I, I, but like my mom, I had a bit where I say my mom, the only way my mom knew how to show me love was with hostess cupcakes. Like if I got a hundred percent in a spelling test, She'd let me have a hostess cupcake for dessert, right. which is why even now as an adult, when I do something well, I get this intense craving for a better mom. And I was worried that like that would hurt her feelings, but she, she gets it. She gets what I'm doing. Yeah. She was just going off a of fucking Pavlov's method. That's all. Yeah. That's all it was. Are you fully Italian? No, my mom's Jewish, so I'm much more Jewish than I am Italian. I'm a little Italian on my dad's side. Okay, so you're an Italian Jew. Italian Jew. Matzo pizza. I have a friend, he called it a mozzarella stick. Mozzarella stick. There's all sorts of terms. Lucas Arnold came up with that, yeah. Lucas Arnold? Sounds about right. <laughs> I grew up in a village called Hastings on Hudson, and all of my best friends are Jewish. Oh, really? So you did a lot of bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs. Oh, dude, I went to a bat mitzvah. I just talked about this. I went to a bat mitzvah on a boat, and they called it a boat mitzvah. Crushed Shirley Temples the entire time. I'm sure the, the Talmud scholars would appreciate that bastardization. I was just talking about bar mitzvahs, too. It's crazy because bar mitzvahs have like four things always, right? It's like an MC. It's like a girl who's like kind of hot. And like you're 13 and they're and they're like 18. And it's like, all right, we're going to hang out on the dance floor for a while. We'll do that. Then there's like kind of like a magician kind of like someone in that realm of like entertainment. Then there's a photo booth and then like maybe a T-shirt printing thing. That's every bar mitzvah I've ever been to. I went to some really swanky ones. One of them had the make your own music video studio with a green screen. It was right around that age. I went to some bar mitzvahs that were co-ed and some that were just just guys. Like, you know, the parents weren't comfortable with it yet. And those are pretty fucking lame. The co-ed ones, you were dancing. Someone might get drunk. But it was fun seeing your friend's parents. Because like the bar mitzvah boy or bar mitzvah girl, they got lit. And you're like, that's just when you're figuring out about alcohol and stuff. And you're like, damn, they're fun. Jed's dad is crazy. Yeah. I thought this guy was a dick. This guy's awesome. It's just like, no, he's just, he just wants to drink. 
I mean, that was the age we were starting to grind for the first time. I can't imagine like being a parent and like looking out and there's like 13 year olds just rubbing themselves on each other. And you're like, oh, how do I even deal with this? Do I say no? Do I say stop it? Stop it. I asked my fiance the other day. I was like, yeah, like we were talking, we were literally talking about grinding. And I was like, yeah, like you guys know we're hard, right? I'm sure they're like, uh, yeah, you idiot. Yeah, you fucking idiot. Oh, you don't think we have senses in our binds? I was like, dude, I used to have to do this move where I would spin, tuck my boner into my waistband, and then like I would do a spin, tuck it, and then go back to dancing because I was so embarrassed that I had a boner. I remember when the first time I grinded, I almost on the the dance floor. You almost complete. And it was like I was so young. I was at I was so young that it was that thing where like it was so amazing. I like couldn't I couldn't just be like you need to walk away. You need to walk away. And I can't even imagine if that had happened to me. Oh, God, I would have been humiliated. No, I think, honestly, like, if I completed in the middle of a high school dance, like, in high school, not now, but, like, in high school, like, I think that'd be kind of cool, honestly. You know, I'd just be like, whatever. Like, You'd be whatever? Yeah. At 15, you'd be like, oh, cool. I'm going to be known for this for the rest of my life. I'll be a school legend for this. I lost my virginity at 13. Damn. Yeah. So I was I was already being else. So like I, that just would have been another day at the office for me. You know what I mean? I just be like, hey, listen, you, I don't know. You were grinding that thing just right. You know, our Spanish teacher was here. I made eye contact with him. He's a chaperone. I was like, you know, and I just finished. I don't know. So it's what it is. Like, I don't know where that started, where they were just like, hey, guys, let's all meet at this place and drive fuck the shit out of each other. Yeah. And then the school plans it. Yeah. Like, hey, give us five bucks to dry hump each other. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. That's perfectly fine. How old are you? Me, I'm 33. Yeah, I'm 33. So yeah, so me and you were dancing, just getting boners to the same songs. We were so. doing Baby Got Back, Baby, Baby got, got Back, back all day. Fucking every ludicrous song ever made. It's just wild that that song, you're at a bar mitzvah, you're 13, and you're all chanting like, my anaconda don't want none. And these parents must have just been like, what happened? Where did we go wrong? Yeah, they're just like, these guys love ass. I'm like, yeah. Well, Sir Mix-a-Lot told us to. You were saying like about your dad, right? What's your relationship like with your dad now? Because your parents got divorced when you were like a week old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I never, I had no memories. Yeah, yeah. They looked at me and they're like, you know, we don't go well together. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Your dad was just like, nah, I don't know. I think it was like, it was a cheating thing. My dad is a very good looking guy. My dad's so good looking. There was a rumor when I was in middle school that I must be adopted. And it hurt because my dad started it. But he he was like... Oh, dude, you have a hot dad? I have a hot dad. Can you DM me your hot dad? Sure. I, I, put, it on, I put it on the Instagram. I try to get clout from his looks. Is he like a James Deanish? I got to look, look him up. No, he's like, I say more like a John Hamm. Classically hot. He could transcend eras of hotness. Yeah, yeah. And he was, my God, he, he was just like, he was just dating, like he, he slept with my kindergarten teacher. Oh, so he fucks. Oh, he fucked. <laughs> God damn, dude. God, your poor mother. We would go out and like, he would say to the waiter, like, here, give my card to that woman at that table. And that would be enough to get a date. Like he was a player. Old school game. Old school game. I just had a lot of women that would come into my life and they would be my stepmom figure. And then one day they disappear. And I, I was young. And so I distinctly remember this one woman. I asked, she, she sat me down. She had like a breakup with me. 
And she told me, she was like, oh, I got a new job, so I'm going to be kind of busy. I'm not going to be around as much. And I remember saying, oh, will you still come over sometimes so we can play Monopoly? And she said, oh, maybe, maybe. And then a year later, I saw her at the grocery store, like with a new man. She was pregnant. And I think it's like things like that fuck you a little bit in the head. Hell yeah, dude. She gave you the fucking I'll be right back for cigarettes talk. Yeah, she said, it's not you, it's your father. Damn, dude. Yeah, definitely fucked with me. Definitely. Fuck. So like, all right, for being a child of divorce, being a newborn of divorce, pretty much, right? You were seven days old? Uh Uh-huh. And then my mom, my mom ended up marrying my dad's former lawyer a couple years later when I was four. I mean, that's a bit right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why. And that's why I have to talk about it. Yeah, of course. So they've both been divorced twice now. I have half siblings on both sides. Are you guys close? Half siblings? Yeah, I I don't have any full siblings, so I don't know what that relationship would be. Right. But as I've gotten older, I've grown closer with all my siblings. And thank God, because you have to tackle your parents getting older and all that shit together. Yeah. It's like, we kind of have to congregate and figure this out. But on my mom's side, I have three younger half siblings and I'm sure that they have a bond that's different than the one I have with them. Right. You think so? I think so. Cause they, they like, in a way they dealt, they had to deal fully with the problems of that side of the family where me, I would just, I would leave. I'd be gone. I'd come back. We just have fully different experiences, but Sometimes I do envy that. I do wish I had like a sibling who fully grasped the complexities of having my father and my mother. Right. So you can complain about it. Everyone understands like half of my life. Like my sister on my dad's side, we can commiserate about my father, but she knows nothing about what it was like to have my mom and then a stepdad and then the stepdad get divorced and then having that relationship. And yeah, you never get to fully express yourself unless it's on stage, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably why I'm drawn to that like need for expression. It's kind of a need to be understood, a need to be for people to be like, hey, this is what my life was like. Who knows? If I had a full sibling, I would have been an accountant. I would have not had this deep need to talk about myself so much. Well, that's why it's like I, I have two older brothers. I have an older sister who is my half sister, but mm. she's older. So like. Like, I don't really think in, like, the idea of, like, half-sister, half-brother, but, like, it is true. Like, we we have different dads, but, like, that's, like, came out of the same venouche, like, whatever. For sure. You know what I mean? So, I'm like, hey, we made the same track. Like, you're you're my sister. And then I have an adopted sister. So, like, I'm all, like, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think of it. I certainly, I have a joke on stage because I think one of my sisters, when she's, like, being in a jokey mood, she'll introduce me. She'll be like, this is Joe Marco. He's my half-brother. Right. And they'll be like, oh, this is Katie. She's a bitch. And like there, there's there's that dynamic, but I, I don't like look at them as like I love them very much. I wouldn't be there for them half as much or anything. No, 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 no. I'll give you half of whatever money you ask me for. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would say. She's like, Oh, you need money? How much? Five hundred? I'll give you two fifty. You get a one parent price. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So growing up, you lived with your mother? No, I went back and forth on like a two-week cycle that would repeat itself. So they had like joint custody? They had joint custody, yeah. Oh, it wasn't just like, fuck you, mom, going to live with dad. Dad sucks. I'm back now. No, I was very much, my dad kind of spoiled me and my stepdad was very strict. I feel like for the, the earlier part of my life, my stepdad was like the antagonist of my life. Like he was authority. 
He was strict. He was the uh, Denzel and fences. Yeah, yeah. He was from Ohio. Very different. Yeah. Did he smoke cigarettes? Did he? No, he didn't smoke oh, cigarettes. Okay. So, that he can't really be the antagonist. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he just like never like drank whiskey out of a flask and smoked a fucking Marlboro light down to the goddamn filter. <laughs> yeah, different kind of antagonist. More like authority, government type uh, authority. Oh, okay. So my dad's was like fun. And looking back, you look back and you go, oh, well, there were ways that my dad was very irresponsible spoiled me in a way that wasn't good like he was like a friend which is problematic ultimately i've heard a lot of people say that though it's like when like dads fuck up like they become your friend after yeah yeah he just like bought me whatever i wanted he'd let me play video games as much as i wanted if i wanted to quit the swimming team because the pool was too cold he'd be like yeah this pool is too cold this pool sucks and then boom i don't know how to swim (laughs) you know it's it's not good in the long run do you really not know how to swim? No, 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 no. I, I, know I was going to say, I'll I teach you how to swim. I appreciate it. I don't know how to ride a bike. I no way. I barely drive. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, because my dad would just be like, oh, yeah, this bike, this bike is broken. How many people have tried to teach you how to ride a bike? One summer, my mom, I think, or my siblings helped me learn, sort of, so I could go very slowly, but I haven't done it in Wait, Wait a, a second. You live in New York, right? Yeah. Okay. I live in New York, too. I live on the Upper West Side. Where do you live? Uh, Lower East Side. Okay. I think we're going to do this. We could do a bike riding session. That's it. I have a great technique that I learned from my Puerto Rican mother, and it's very easy to do. I don't want to give it away now because she'll get mad if I give it away because it's like, it's literally like a family secret. I could teach you how to ride a bike in an hour. Let's do it. You'll be city biking all over this bitch. I'd love it. I could use that because I have to go fast between spots sometimes. So I'll take it. That's what I'm saying, dude. Dude, you're robbing yourself of childhood joy, dude. That you could experience in your 30s? Have you ever been going down a hill and just fucking hair just going everywhere, just wind whipping your face, bro? No, I haven't. Oh my God, dude. We're going to change your fucking life. Good. Thank God. I could use some changes. You know, mental health and teach you how to ride a bike, dude. We're fucking good to go. I'm going to change your life, brother. All right. And we don't have to film it. I just want to change your life. Good, good. Yeah. Don't film it, please. No, 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 no. And then we'll call your dad. Oh, God. Get him to send us pictures. So you're bouncing back and forth. Is your stepdad still around? Yeah, he's still around. He got he got remarried. Oh, he got remarried. Oh, yeah. So they've been divorced twice. That's right. That's right. Were you happy about that one? No, no. It was it was a messy divorce. So basically, they, they got divorced when I was in college. When their marriage was kind of falling apart, I feel like it brought, strangely enough, my stepdad and I closer together. I just feel like he... He needed someone to talk to and he didn't have a lot of friends. So I feel like he needed a dude. I was the old, yeah, he needed a dude. And, and it'd be tough because we'd, we'd like go jogging, which for like 50 year old men, that's, that's the closest they're going to get to therapy sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We'd be jogging and then he'd be like, let's walk for a bit. And I'd be like, oh boy. And then he'd be like, why is your mom so unhappy? And I was like, bitch, I'm 17. I'm 17. I jerked off this morning. Like, why are you asking me this question about my mom? I was trying to get into college and get my first <laughs> blowjob. Like, I, I don't know. Basically, it's very complicated in Maryland. I think this law was overturned, but this is true. To file divorce, you had to live under separate roofs for a year. And you had to not have sex in that year. That's part of the law. That sounds insanely Amish. It does. And like, I always suspect it was written at a time to benefit the person who doesn't want to get a divorce because if they don't want to get a divorce, they could be like, your honor, 
we fucked this morning. And the owner goes, oh, well, you got to start that year over. And the breadwinner, you know, if you want to get a divorce and you're not the breadwinner, where the fuck are you going to move for a year? You're, you're dependent. So very messy divorce. I came back from college and we all knew what was about to happen, but they, except for my little brother, my little brother, I think he must've been eight, seven, eight. It was kind of like for him or to like, you know, it's it, as, as a theater kid, it's like a version of theater where we all kind of know, but we need to have the event. We need to like say what's about to happen and have, have the intensity of it. That's what sucks about kids. You have to like sit them down and tell them stuff. And this was so awkward because we all knew something was coming. And my little brother, he was so young, he, they called a family meeting. And my little brother was like, oh, are we going to talk about how awesome I am and how you're not all awesome like me? I'm like, oh, buddy, you're about to not feel awesome for the next 10 years of your life. Now, now you're kind of just like, you know what? Let's get sober with this fucking kid's too cocky. It was hard. It was so it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Just being like, hey, buddy, like life is, as you know, it is over. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough, dude. It was rough. Hey, champ. <laughs> you know, it's like dad's going to go live somewhere else now. And it's like, what? Wait, what? Hey, champ. You ready to see your dad cry for the first time? Here we go. That's a big one. Seeing your dad cry for the first time, that's a big moment. Dude, I have an Italian dad who's like so Italian it hurts. The first time I ever saw him cry was because he was disappointed in me. Think about that. What did you do? Was this after the cocaine incident? No, this is when I was a kid. I was so bad in fucking school, man. Like this fucking teacher gave me a 64, not a 65. So like, I don't know what school it was like in Maryland, but a 65 is a passing grade. A 64 is a failing grade. And it's by one point. And she like fucked me. So I was like, no, no, that's cool. Whatever. And I just picked up this entire trash can and threw it into her classroom because then I, uh, then I couldn't play. I had to go to summer school to play football. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, Miss Miss Antanasia, fuck you. But anyway, no, I've seen her recently. She's cool. I did that, and my dad came home and was like, yo, they're going to like kick you out of school, probably. They didn't, but they were like, they were going to kick you out of school. And I was like, well, like, you know, if they do that, I'll just go to another school. He's like, Danny, and like looked at me, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Goddamn. I was like, what? He's like, Danny. Like, his fucking voice cracked, and I was like, oh, god damn, dudes. I was like, yo, is this guy going to fucking cry, bro? Like, in my mind, I'm like, yo, I can't fucking handle this. And then he cried, and then I became a fucking mess after. I said, oh, my God, like, mad Game of Thrones. Like, oh, my God, like, I just disgraced my bloodline. Like, it was so bad. Like, I wanted to jump off of a bridge. It was so bad. Did you behave better after that? Like, did you feel a change inside? For sure. After that, that was my junior year of high school, my sophomore year of high school. I I already have gotten kicked off of the basketball team for bad grades. I acted out a lot as a kid because like my parents, you know, my brother had a kid. My oldest brother had a kid at 16. My brother, Michael, has Tourette's. That's my middle brother. You know, I have a half sister and then my sister was adopted. So like everybody kind of got, they were like, all right, he's like the most normal. So we'll let him rock out. Like he's cool. He plays sports and like, you know, has a girlfriend. Like he's a normal guy, whatever. But, you know, a lot of it was just like crying for attention. A lot of it. I was just like, you know, like I don't get any attention at home. So I'm just going to act out at school. And just be a fucking dick to teachers and shit. Like I had a ton of friends and I was nice to people. It's just like I've had a problem with authority really, really bad up until like maybe I was like 26, 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Like if you were my boss, like I fucking couldn't stand you. I'm just going to defy you. 
if you were my teacher, I'm going to defy you. You know, because it was just like at home, I just didn't get, you know, enough hugs and smoochies and kisses and lovies. Yeah. You know, and th- and that shit matters to a dude. Like a lot of times, like people don't think it matters to a dude. I need those loves. Yeah. You know, I need those snugs and I need those loves. And then I just was a fucking dick. And then like I was getting kicked off of teams and, and doing this and, you know, they were writing in the paper about me getting academically suspended and shit. Like, you know, like, so, you know, they were like, oh yeah, like Lil Priori can't play because like he fucked and sucks at school. <laughs> that was the headline. Yeah, pretty much. They were like, Lil Priori out, fails math. Oh, that is brutal. Yeah. So my dad's like, yo, like, you know, it's like, he's embarrassed. I remember like a college scout came to come watch me one time and like I got suspended before the game and like he couldn't watch me, you know? So like my dad's like, yo, like I'm a failure as a man. Like I, I just can't like, he's like, none of my fucking kids are normal. You know, like that. He just had like this, this moment. He was like, this one had, I remember he was telling me like, while he's crying, he's like, brother, I had kids 16. You know, like Kiana, my sister Kiana has a different dad. She was like, you know, she's like, God, thank God. She's like kind of normal. Michael has Tourette's and I just can't do anything right. So I was just like, damn, dude, this six foot four, six foot three Italian man is crying like a bitch right now, dude. That's funny. He's like, oh, he has Tourette's. That's my fault. Yeah. He's like hereditarily like I gave this to him probably. So I'm just like, damn, dude, my dad's like Tony Soprano. Like he's crying. My dad would have definitely traded some of my grades for me to be better at sports. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. See, like, I feel like that too. It's especially as a dude, we do have this weird pressure, like to be good at athletics. Cause like our dad, like I'll tell you one of the greatest moments I ever have with my dad is a sports moment though, is I ran like this crazy fucking long touchdown in high school or whatever. So I was recruited to play college football, but like, I just was a fucking moron and like, couldn't get into any schools. Like I had to go to a community college to even get a grade to do that. And I failed at a community college. Uh-huh. So my dad was just like done with me at that point. But like, I remember I scored this touchdown. I just look in the crowd and I see my dad fucking rise up like fucking movie from the stands. And he just like puts his finger out like this. And we just pointed at each other from like 65 yards away. Oh my God. Yeah. We just had this fucking Rudy-esque moment. So like, you know, it was kind of cool. Like, you know, like at that moment, we both understood each other. It's like in the movies, like it's like an old time piece, like sports movie. And there's one guy that's like racist in the town. But then, like, the team comes together and he's, like, automatically, like, not racist anymore. He, like, starts to clap. He's like, fuck it. I wish I could have done that with my dad, like, when I'm doing, like, Little Shop of Horrors. And during the high note, I'm like, Dad, I hit that G. Holding that G for you, Dad. (laughs) No, he's not even there. But was he supportive? (laughs) Was he supportive, though, of, like, you, like, being an actor and shit? Or was he, like, was he cool with it until, like, you started, like, you know, being in Hustlers with J-Lo? No, he was always, like, I don't want to say the word supportive, like financially, he, he was supportive. He didn't say don't do it. But looking back, I don't know if it was because he was supportive or like he couldn't care. He doesn't like he finds the struggle to care. So he gives. He's definitely better than his dad. And I, I never met my dad's dad. So I think like he knows he wants to care. He knows he wants to be supportive. And financially, it's a way he's able to you know, go here, here, take the acting class, take the singing class. But I think he struggles with caring about the thing itself. Showing up. I feel like he's only come to a couple comedy shows in my life. And I feel like 
I sometimes think there's he has a kind of a male envy thing. And I get it because I'm like, I'm a narcissist. If, if I see someone killing it in stand up, I struggle to enjoy it because in my head, I'm thinking, could I be as good as that? Do I suck? And I feel like when he sees me do well, he always, after the show, he always wants to talk about how he's always had ideas for comedy. So, you know, I had this idea for a bit, like, you know. And I'm just like, bro, just like, just compliment me. Mate. Just say it, you're proud of me. Yeah, give me my moment, dog. Yeah. So it's frustrating as an adult. My mom, like, she knows the names of my sketch team and comes to shows and she does not have any of that. Ooh, I should, I could have done that. I could have been a contender. But I think my dad really has, like, I could have been a contender with the arts. Brando moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, did he make fun of you for, like, being, like, into acting and stuff? No, I, thankfully, he never made fun of me. I feel like my dad has an effeminate side. Right. He's, he's never been, like, a dude. So he was never like, hey, this is my gay son. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, is he? I don't know. He acts. I don't know. He's like one of those things. If I were to guess, I would bet that, like, my dad, you know, because I'm, I'm a, a feminine type. I'm sure my mom, even I think my mom even still sometimes has, like, is he gay, maybe? Would he be happier if he came out? But I think my dad probably doesn't. Spectrum of sex. Yeah. But I don't think my dad could possibly fathom me being gay. He Like, he wouldn't have a gay son. Yeah, no. So I don't think he ever, like, uh, accused me of that or thought that or. Yeah. See, but you, like you're 33, like you went through that to like kind of be popping now, though. Sure. You know what I mean? Like feminine guys are like, they're the fucking wave right now. Sure. You guys are in, dude. We're in. Sure. You guys are in fucking Chalamets and shit. Like Chalamet boys, thin actor boys are <laughs> thin actor out boys. here fucking dog. But I was just in, in Arkansas for a gig and like the owner of that comedy club and we went to a baseball game. Like those kind of guys, I could see even even there, me as an adult, there was just a feeling of like, a, Ugh, what are you? What are you doing? We would go out. Oh, you want some pizza? I go like, is there a salad? And just a feeling of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck? They say, what kind of beer do you want? I'll take a seltzer. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Jesus Christ. Who is this guy? Like offended, like almost like, why are you doing this to us? This guy's so gay. <laughs> just in their head, they're just like, this guy just asked for a fucking salad, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy that in New York, we're so lucky. Like, there's like this bubble of just like, everyone fucking looks different for the most part. You know what I mean? But like, there's just places that are other parts of the world that are just like, nah. <laughs> they're just like, nah, we don't, I don't know anything about that. And Arkansas is probably one of those places. Yes, for sure. Have you ever gone somewhere and told them you were Jewish and it was a bad look? I think twice now. And again, they probably do it in jest. Yeah, yeah. But if they're comfortable with it, it makes it's not good. I, I don't think it's so I, I was in Houston and I said I'm Jewish and an audience member went, oh, and I was like, Oh, no, that's not. And then... First of all, my show, bitch. Yeah. Okay. And I called it out. I called it out and everyone laughed. And I'm sure she was like trying to be jokey. If you're comfortable with that, that's a warning side that like things are not good in Denmark. Imagine, imagine just being able, being able to say that in a room full of strangers where you're not on stage. 
and you're just going to expose yourself. Yeah. 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 What'd you say? I just it made fun of her. Uh, like, oh, sorry. I'm Jewish. Is that hard for you? Yeah. And then once I was at the comedy cellar in New York and I said, sometimes I'll say on stage, I'm Jewish. And the way I've behaved up to me saying that the audience just laughs, just like, yeah, we knew. And I joked, like I said, you know, oh, you guys knew that already. And this woman in the front row, she was from Europe, which I, I hear there's a uh, more anti-Semitism here and there. And she went, yeah. And like tapped on her nose. And I was like, God damn, God damn. That is some anti-Semitic shit. Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jews had a tough shake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there's some like historical stuff that goes into that. I'm glad you paid attention in history class enough to know Jews have had a tough shake. <laughs> that's that's only been, that's that was like the only class that like as a kid that I actually enjoyed. That's good. I just find history very interesting. You know, like I don't find a fucking math interesting. Like I, I just don't. Stupid. Like we're, we're never gonna use this. It's dumb as fuck, unless you're gonna go off to be a rocket scientist, which I was not. When you first started acting and stuff, do you think that you're like a naturally anxious person? Very. Do you think that just started young? And do you think that your parents' divorce has anything to do with that? I think it's always tough with anxiety, nature or nurture. I don't know if my parents' divorce had anything to do with it. My therapist definitely thinks that. Oh, yeah. Something about like, I think with my stepfather, like there was an anxiety because if he heard me in the house or anything, he would like give me some kind of assignment. He was the kind of person where you just didn't want to be seen by him because if he saw a kid not doing something, he'd be like, you go in the backyard and do this, that and the other. So like there was an anxiety of like, there's someone in the house who's going to fuck up my day. Right. Yeah. Fuck. But I also think I'm just whether it's whether it's a Jewish thing or not, where where I'm just an anxious person. I have an active imagination. I probably have the kind of OCD of uh, invasive thoughts. Right. And. One thing I think is nice about comedy is like I can use that anxiety and live on that anxiety on stage and it can be funny. I can make the anxiety funny and I don't have to hide it. Yeah, it's it's weird because you kind of have like this bubble where you kind of feel safe for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's just you can be funny. You can be like, you know, you, you can express it on stage. And you don't have to be cool. Whereas like in acting, if I'm going to play Stanley in a streetcar named Desire, he's not an anxious guy. So then you have to like hide it. But I'm feeling anxiety of, will I remember the lines? Am I, you know, I'm on stage. I I can never do it. Yeah. So that's why I think stand-up, like, let me be myself more. And I still feel anxiety about stand-up sometimes. Sometimes I feel chill. Sometimes I'm filled with anxiety. And I still work on it. I still work on, like, enjoying the anxiety or just being like, hey, you're anxious because this is cool. This is crazy. Yeah. It's weird. It's like it could catch you in a good mood. Like if I get anxious and I was in a good mood prior, I'll handle it better. Yeah, for sure. But if I was in a fucking shitty mood before, I'm like, this is it. Like, I don't care about life anymore. It's terrible. I hate the shit. So you mentioned therapy. How long have you been in therapy? A kid whose parents got divorced seven days. I would say like, what, three months? I went a couple times when I was a kid. I think when I was in second grade, I was struggling in school somehow. So they sent me to therapy. Didn't like it very much. I don't know if it was a bad therapist. I don't know if I just was didn't want it. But all I would do was I would play with action figures. And my therapist would be like, try to interpret things from the action figures. She'd be like, oh, is the Green Ranger your stepfather? And is that why Goku keeps beating the shit out of him? 
And maybe I, I was so unconscious that it did represent things. But to me, I was just like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't know. Like fucking each other. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess. How can you ask kids questions like that? I don't know. It's so weird to me. Like, I'm sure there's something there. I'm sure there's something in there, but it's just like, I guess. Like, what the fuck's a kid going to say? He's like, yeah. Then you're a psychopath and they're going to put you somewhere. Sure. So I just didn't like her. I didn't want to do it. And I did it for probably a couple months. Then my grades went back up and my parents went, oh, he's fine now, I guess. Then I like went at one point in high school one point in college, but always very brief, never very consistent. I think I was like pro-therapy. I wasn't like one of these guys who's like, you're running, that's my therapy. And then I went through an intense breakup after college, just like someone who I'd been with for four years. They got engaged, had a kid. I was very depressed. So you dated freshman year of college to senior year of college? Yeah, and then like a year after, and it breaks in between there. At the University of Miami. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, we were actors, we were like acting partners. Uh, it was just, it was just kind of, it was a lot of things. And I think like she had divorced parents. I think a lot of my issues I put into that relationship. Yeah, you guys kind of came to each other to, it's, it's almost like, not like brother and sister, because that makes it sound weird, but like it's almost but family, like, but like family. A, de- a degree of like, and looking back, uh, like not healthy or sustainable, right. but very much like I had someone, I think, who gave me the kind of support and love that I don't think I was getting from my family. And yeah. and uh, breakups are after that long or tough in general, but it was just a lot. And it was it felt traumatic at the time. And I had a friend who was pushing me to therapy. But then you're in your 20s and the money factor is enough of a deterrent from just not going to therapy. So I was lucky I found through a friend some kind of school where the person was finishing one of their degrees. So they gave you therapy based on your income, which at the time was fucking zero. Yeah, dude, that's that's my biggest beef with therapy right now. It's like, oh, everyone's like, yeah, mental health. I'm like, yeah, can you guys like make it cheaper, though? That'd be fucking sure. Awesome. But this was great. I-, I saw this woman twice a week for $30 a week. So I, I found it. I There are those places out there. And I, yeah, you just got to look. I tell people all the time, it's like, yeah, like you just got to look, man. The hardest part is like getting into the office. Of course. And I lucked out. I liked my, my I've been with this therapist still for six, seven years, maybe five, six. And I just got lucky. She just, we we clicked. And I've been seeing her now, now for, for Zoom for the last, I don't know if I've seen her in person for years. Do you like Zoom therapy? Not particularly. I think there's there's a distance. Feels like homework. Yeah, but the leaving the house and tra- and commuting forty five minutes for it feels now it feels like an an insurmountable challenge. I'm like, no, I'll stick with Zoom. So I miss in person. I do think at some point I will at least want to do a couple more in person. But she's been great, and I really view therapy as like a kind of constant maintenance type thing. I don't know if I've I think I've improved certain skills and coping abilities, but I still don't see it as like, oh, here's the completion point. I see it as like a necessary check-in. And once I started dating again, that brought up all sorts of new things I needed to check back in with. When my dad had this heart surgery, I was like, you know, I need to, I need to check in with that. So I just go and, and some weeks, I'll go through phases in my life where I'm like, I don't need this right now. But then the moment I feel like, ah, maybe it's time to take a break, something happens 
or I get insecure about something or some career thing, relationship, and I'm like, I need this. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things too. Like, I think it's very enlightening to hear a stand-up comedian talk so much about like actually going therapy and staying. Like, I feel like a lot of people get lost in their art and like, that's my therapy. But it's like, no, you need some like some science. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I was, before I was a comedian, I, I saw this therapist before I had really transitioned yeah. into stand up. And I remember like, I'm not on antidepressants, but I did have that kind of thinking with when I was thinking about antidepressants, where I was like, what if it makes me too emotionless to act? Right. What if it takes away? Yeah. 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 Which it can do. Certain people it can do. Certain people it can do. And I think I was deterred from taking antidepressants because like, it felt so unknowable. The doctor would be like, well, when some people take Lexapro, they, it feels a cloud has lifted. Other people, they can't get it up and they gain 50 pounds. And I was like, oh, bro, I don't want that. Yeah, no. See, I remember that too. They were like, I'm on Lexapro now. And they were just like, yeah, yeah. And I remember when they, the doctor told me, they were like, hey, like, you might not be able to get boners or like, you might stay like erect for like a very long time. I said, I'll take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'll take my shot. That's fine. How many milligrams are we doing? But uh, no, like it is like I've heard, thankfully Lexapro for me is like, it's like, it's like brushing my teeth at this point. It's just like a thing I do in the morning. And like, it it's 100% made my life better. Sure. Gary Goldman is a great comedian. He had, a, he had a special called the Great Depression. And he was talking about like knowing those side effects. And he was like, yeah, you know what the side effect of depression is? Like death. So yeah, I will take not getting a boner every once in a while. Oh, you think I was like, I don't know if he said this, but slaying pussy while I was like depressed as fuck. I always have it in the back of my mind that if I ever feel I'm in a sustained period of, of depression, that that's an option. That option is available. But yeah, I, I find that I'm able to be, at least as of this moment, okay, having the therapy and doing all the other things for self-medicate let me ask you no no i think that's great i think that's great and then you actually you know like do you have like other like extracurricular activities or are you just fucking full send on comedy right now i stand up is definitely a lot but i i exercise pretty regularly and i do okay. like you got that from your stepdad jogging there you go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i i do that you know I, I do sketch comedy and i do acting and i do the social media game and whatnot and that takes up a lot of time dude it's the worst if I could delete Instagram and like be successful still, I would, but I, I need it. it. Sucks. Sure. I mean, my income is all fucking social media. It's it's a it's Me a nightmare. Too. It's a fucking nightmare, dude. Do you pay your taxes quarterly? I think I need to start. Last year I had I do it now because dude, it's rough, man. Yeah, I had my first payment this year where from last year I was like, Are you serious? Yeah. They're like, Yeah, dude. Yeah. Remember all that money you thought was yours? It wasn't. So yeah, I think I'll, I'm going to be moved to the quarterly system now. Do it quarterly, dude, because it hurts your butt way less. Yeah, yeah. I've been thrashed a couple times, and it's not fun. Horrible, horrible. I just have a couple more questions. When you were like with your parents, like joint custody, like what was the dynamic like? Like were they like, since it was joint custody, like were they cool or were they just like they didn't fuck with each other? Like did they talk shit? I think my dad for a while because again I, I didn't really enjoy being at my mom's mostly because of my stepdad and my dad would would always say to me like i think he was angling for getting full custody and he always said like you know if you want you can 
if you want to tell them that you want to spend all your time with your dads, you just say the word. And looking back, you're like, not good. This is like a, a pressure. And I think I probably thought like, oh my God, is that me on the stand being like, fuck my mom. I want to stay with my dad. And I don't think I would, I don't think I fully wanted that. I definitely wanted to be at my dad's more. Right. But, and there were sometimes arguments of like, if I was at my dad's for the weekend, but then Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So there was no school. Does that mean I stay at my dad's an extra day? Right, 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 right. And then my mom and stepdad. So there would be fights with that. While you're present. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. That's rough. They had joint custody. My little sister, my dad had joint custody of her with her mom. We have a different mom. But then he, my dad tried to get full custody and ended up losing all of it. And like the dynamic, and I've seen this more so with men, at least what I've witnessed personally, where the woman has full custody and the, the man does not. And he's at the mercy of the other person. And that's very, that's where you just see horrors. Yeah, I, listen, I've had family members go through it and it's, it's a fucking disaster. Just and just like, you know, fights of like, can I please see my child on this day? And and sometimes it's deserved and but it's all it's all very fucked up. And ultimately there's no way for the child to not feel the consequences of that struggle. Yeah, that sounds just so rough. It was definitely hard and I wanted to be with my dad in that earlier part. And I think like my dad would would call me once a day when I was at my mom's and we would have like an hour long phone call. And I'm, I'm sure for my mom, it was kind of like, well, what the fuck, man? I'm trying to have my child here and you're taking him an hour at 6 p.m. right before dinner, after dinner. And I think my stepdad resented that. And it led to one big explosive moment when I turned 15. I was at the beach with my mom and stepdad and my sister. And I hadn't been able to reach my dad all day until like late that night, my dad finally called. And I was with my stepdad. We were getting ice cream. And my stepdad said to me, no, give me the phone. It's too late to talk to your dad. He basically wasn't going to let me talk to my father on my 15th birthday. And again, this is like, it was a shitty thing to do, but it was a buildup of like this constant, my dad being this presence constantly and, and them fighting. And I'm sure they had money, alimony issues, all sorts of shit. Yeah. Grown up problems. And I basically, I never stood up to my stepfather, really. He scared the shit out of me. Never, never hit me or anything, but just an intimidating force. Right. And when he, I finally, he let me talk to my dad. I talked to my dad for a minute and my stepdad was like, wrap it up. And I didn't tell my dad what was happening because I knew my dad would like drive up there and murder him. And I hung up the phone. He took the phone and I turned to him and I said, you're just mad because my dad fucked your wife before you did. And it was like, whoa, it was me like finally expressing myself. Right. And my stepdad was kind of, I think he was stunned, but like, he didn't like, like smack plenty of, plenty of people out there would have fucking smacked a 15 year old for that shit. Oh yeah. 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 But when I got back, I told my mom like what had happened and him and her got into a blowout fight. She was like, you know, I'm going to leave. I'll take the kids with me. Who do you think they're going to go with? And my stepdad was like, let's talk about this upstairs. And as they left, he turned to me 15th birthday, turned to me and said, you're disgusting. And went off. It only would have been better if he just went, I'm going to go fuck your mom now. <laughs> That's true. That's, That's true. the only thing better that he could have said. Yeah. But I think he would have been lying. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. He was in trouble. So, yeah, I, I felt the consequences of it. I've heard worse. I've heard worse. Yeah. The schedule they had was pretty consistent. And 
thankfully, like my mom's Jewish, so Christmas wasn't a problem. That could be a classic problem. But yeah, yeah, there were struggles, but the the schedule still maintained a, a certain degree of order. Is your stepdad still alive? First of all, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's still around, right? See, the thing that was tough probably for you, it's like at least like I had siblings. Like when my parents like fought to be like, "Yo, this sucks," right? Yeah, you know, just now you're just like, "Oh fuck!" Like especially you know, like later on when you're with your mom and stepdad, and then when did your stepdad and your mom have kids? My stepdad and mom had kids when I was four. They had their first kid, and then they had another a couple years later, and then one more like ten years after that. Oh, okay. Oh, so you have like a young ass sibling? Yeah, maybe maybe ten years exaggerated. He's he's about to be. He's going to be a senior in college, so it feels young. Feels young to me. God, that makes me feel so old. I feel way too fucking old. I feel way too fucking old. What did you call your stepdad? I called him Bill. I called him Bill. Yeah, I feel because like because you were young. You could have been like, oh, like this is like my dad. I feel, I feel so bad for kids that go through that because, like, it's an identity crisis, right? You're like, well, like this guy's been around, but like my dad's like kind of present. So it's like, who's my fucking dad? Yeah. I mean, I really, I hated my stepdad so much at that time that, like, I remember once I went to a doctor's appointment and my stepdad was listed as my dad and I like had a conniption because it was just like, it was like, don't you dare do that to my, my existence. I just thought of him as like this authority figure, this guy who made my life tough and fucking drill sergeant that lives in my house now. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, it's kind of surreal that we're like on the kind of terms that we are now. Oh, so you still talk to him? Oh no. Yeah. We're, we're on good terms. He, he's always been supportive. I stay at his place and my dad and I have a much tougher relationship and my stepfather, it's pretty good. Are you and your dad like working on it? Like, is it something that you've made like kind of, like known to him or is this kind of just goes over his head a little bit? He knows, he knows, but you know, he's, he's old. He's, he's got his ways. And I think he just struggles to like, give the time. Like, I think it's hard. I think we have trouble communicating and there's a sense of like, if he wants to rekindle the relationship, he's got to go visit me in New York. He's got, he's got to make some more effort. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I, I'm so busy work-wise and I feel so so much struggle that sometimes I'm like, please don't visit me. Like, so there's kind of a conflict there. I do think we... we do you think you'll get it's there? It's hard, man. I don't know, dude. At some point. Maybe he'll show up. Maybe he'll show up to a show and you'll have a fucking finger point moment. Yeah, that'd be nice. He'll just crush your set and he'll just fucking stand up and point at you. It's hard when your parents get older. He had that heart surgery and whenever a medical thing happens, you kind of have to put all the shit aside and be like, I'm here for you. I love you in case you die. But then if they get better, you go, oh, okay, are we going to work on it? Or is our relationship going to revolve around your health? And whenever you're ill or whenever there's a surgery, I'll be there and I'll be close, but it'll get further and further. So it's, it is tough, man. It is tough. That's a tough dynamic. I mean, like, listen, like I've gone through like shit with my dad. Like I told my dad once, like, uh, like, yeah, I don't respect you. And then we had to basically like rebuild our entire relationship. And like me and my dad have started from ground zero and like, we're great now. So like, it's possible dude. but like you said, it's like big Papa got to want to put the work in though. That's just how it is. I have two more quick questions and I'm gonna let you go. When you're writing, right? How often are you writing? Are you writing all the time? Or do you have like an hour that like, I'm just going to do this hour for a year? 
I'm gonna do that, or do you just kind of like not have like a like set thing? I'm writing all the time. It's kind of overwhelming. I'm I'm trying. I think I need to adjust because I'm still in a period of just like keep writing new jokes, fine tune stuff, and comedy is fractured now. So there used to be a time where you really would work towards building that hour. Yeah, but like I don't know if anyone's ever going to want an hour. People rarely even watch an hour. Netflix, they watch the first twenty minutes. Some people want half hours. Some people, it's like you're better off doing it on your own on social media. I'm trying to figure it out because the model has changed, and we're in the midst of a massive change. Where I know people where their their clip of one joke will get millions of views, and their special that the clip is from gets twelve thousand on YouTube at the most. Right, and so. I don't want to become entirely a slave to the algorithm and short form. Yeah. If you weren't a comedian in like 1987, like it's not going to work. Yeah. And like the, the idea of like building a new hour than touring, I feel like that's where you get to a point where I could go to St. Louis for some shows and then a year later go to St. Louis and I'll have maybe 5% of the audience from the last show. Like I'm still building. So what's the, what's the point of building a new hour or an hour that's not as strong? I'm just trying to put on a great hour, hour, 15 minutes. I will do some new stuff. I'll do some old stuff. I'll fine tune. I want to make you enjoy being part of that process where some stuff won't crush or I'll go, Ooh, boy, that sucks. And as I grow, I'll get to a point where I'll go, okay, let's figure out maybe it's 30, maybe it's an hour. Let's do that somewhere and then consider it burnt. Yeah. I had one joke about R. Kelly that went kind of viral enough places that I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to do that joke anymore. And I do hope to eventually get to a point where I'm more purposeful, where I'm like, let me build this, burn it in some capacity and move on. But right now I kind of just have two and a half hours of stuff that I'm like, well, uh, if I put this on Instagram, does that mean it's burnt or do I want to wait until I do it here? And yeah, yeah, it's a lot. You're just tinkering shit all the time. You're tinkering shit. It gets better. And there's a part of me that gets nervous. Like, oh, are you going to see me? And like, you've heard this joke before. But again, it's like people who see me on TikTok, some of them aren't even old enough to get into comedy clubs. So why consider it burnt if it's on TikTok? There's, yeah, there's always like a new audience that'll catch it. There's so many fucking people, dude, with social media. But then there's a lot of, I would say that there's a lot of comedy that's watered down and kind of weak because we are constantly building. And we forget that like some of my best jokes have been told for five years and they, they got fine tuned in minute ways that now make them great. So figuring it out, I'm sure eventually I get to a place where I am more like, this is the hour, burn it. But right now I'm just like build good new chunks good for you, jump around, be an artist. One thing, the last question that I always ask everybody all the time is, are you happy today? Yeah, I'm happy today. I'm, I'm going to see my, my sister going to get lunch. I got a show. Being on the road is very lonely sometimes. And I, I miss my girlfriend. I think our relationship, it's, it's hard when I'm away for, for two weeks. Yeah. But I feel artistically full. I feel excited to, to be working. And it's good to see my mom. It's good to see my mom. And, and we, we, have a, we have a good relationship. And it's, it's, been, it's gotten better in the last couple of years. And that's nice. So, so I am. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Also, where can everybody find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm everywhere at John Marco Cerezi. It's just my name, at John Marco Cerezi. And then I got a podcast called The Downside. 
check it out. We'll put all the links in the description. John Marco, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're going to teach you how to ride that fucking bike. Bro. Hell yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!